Hello and welcome to another episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wells, joined today by co-host Dustin Myers. We are partners at Longitude, a hospitality branding and design group. At Future Hospitality, our goal is to interview the brightest minds in the industry, gathering insights, ideas, and inspiration to share with you. If you enjoy the podcast, please be sure to leave us a review. Thank you for your support. In today's episode, we sit down with Lauren and Lee Gonzalez of LNL Hospitality, the team behind several outstanding boutique hostels, such as The Local in New York City and Lolo Pass, which opened in May 2021 in Portland, Oregon. During our discussion, we learn about the unique opportunities and challenges that come with owning a hostel and how they navigate that together as business partners and sisters. We also learn about how they create unconventional comfort and a strong sense of place at each property. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. Lauren and Lee, uh, great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks. Thank you. We're happy to be here. Yeah. So we first met at the ILC Congress, or I guess that's a ATM machine uh, miss, <laughs> misspeak, the Independent Lodging Congress. And... Uh, this past fall and I got the pleasure of learning about what you guys are doing and uh, just super fascinating. So I'm glad that we are finally here behind the microphones and going to dive into a deeper conversation together. Great. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just for starters, give us a little bit about your backgrounds and what initially led you into the hospitality industry. So Lauren and I, our story is unique because we're sisters and we've been business partners since 2006. She and I had a pretty traditional start and both had careers in finance shortly after, immediately after graduating from university. But within a few years realized that is not where our passion is. And the two of us just picked up, left our finance careers and moved to Barcelona to open up a couple of small hostels. And so that's the niche that Lauren and I really operate in is the hostel territory. So she and I opened a couple of two small hostels in Barcelona, Spain, and then moved back to the United States in 2013 and opened up The Local, which is a hostel in New York City. We converted a warehouse in LIC, Queens. And then most recently, she and I, during the pandemic, uh, built and opened Lolo Pass, which is a, quite a large hostel in Portland, Oregon. Wow. Yeah, we, we covered a lot of territory there. Um, so maybe maybe just shed some light on kind of the first iteration of your career and where you guys were at, what you guys were thinking. And then uh, I'm, I'm guessing there was some type of tie to Barcelona that kind of led you guys there. Or what did that look like? So we really got started in Barcelona just because I studied abroad in Spain. And so when Lauren and I had the idea, we first were thinking about doing a chain of hostels. We knew nothing about running hostels, but figured at least we understood the market in Spain from a tourist perspective because we had stayed all over the country on road trips and things like that. So that is why we chose Barcelona. Also, if anyone's been there, it is a place where the sun is always shining. And so we always thought that if, we get there and things are miserable. This is way more difficult than we thought. At least it's a beautiful place to live. Yeah, I've never been to Barcelona. I can imagine it's a, a oh, wonderful it's place to live. Yeah, It's wonderful. And at that time, it was a huge, huge, I mean, it still is, but it was a very big tourist destination. There were not many hostels. Um, 
in Barcelona and the ones that were there were kind of people running them as lifestyle businesses. They weren't that great. So we had the idea to do a chain of hostels where it would be kind of one brand where you could travel city to city, know the brand, um, trust the brand. And uh, so we started in Barcelona thinking we'd begin there. Open two, so the two places we opened were both 10 rooms. Um, they were really centrally located. We took the floor of old buildings and renovated them and to add bathrooms, to add the rooms. And then Lee and I pretty much ran everything ourselves for the first few months. And so the idea with these first two was they'd be sort of our learning lab where we could figure out what guests wanted, what they responded to, really be at the front desk, do all the positions, get to know the guests well and figure out how we could make this bigger if we wanted to do this, if this is something we enjoyed. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great. We ran those for almost seven years, seven, six or seven years, and then sold them um, to focus on the properties in the, in the U.S. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Uh, so making that jump from a finance career, you know, to moving to Barcelona and opening some hostels, like what, like, I guess, what was the conversation like between, um, you know, Lauren, you and Lee, as you were kind of making that jump and, you know, um, you know, what were some of the challenges you had in making that transition? It seems like a big life transition there. Well, to think about it now, though, <laughs> given what, like all the experience, the life experience, the business experience we have, we, we did not have that many conversations about it. I mean, if this is something I was deciding to do today, it would be a much bigger deal. Oh yeah. But when you're 23, 24, however old we were, um, it was a pretty easy decision. Yeah. So it, I remember calling my parents because I was working at Goldman Sachs and I was in the third year of a three-year analyst program. It was kind of up or out. And I couldn't in good consciousness, get another finance job when I knew that I didn't love it. And I was always thinking about this hostile thing. And so I called my folks and said, I'm going to do this. I have to do this. I'll always wonder if I don't do this. And they, they said, get your sister involved was the first thing, which was really funny because normally a parent would be like, okay, go ahead, do your thing, but don't sink your sistership. <laughs> but they were super supportive of the two of us working together, which really was kind of the most wonderful thing a parent could could say to you in that moment. And Lauren at the time was working abroad at HSBC in Milan. And so she was well positioned because she was close to Spain to do a little bit of initial legwork. And do you want to tell the story about the car, Lauren? Sure. So as towards the end of my time in Milan, um, they auctioned off a company car and it was this big silver Saab sedan that was stick shift, even though I didn't know how to drive stick shift and it smelled like cigars. And so I bid 300, no, 3,001 euros and won it. I had to drive it to my apartment without knowing how to drive stick shift. But that was kind of how we launched our, our time in Europe. We flew to Milan and we road tripped um, a little bit around Italy and then through France and into Barcelona. And I'd never been to Barcelona before. I mean, that's how kind of naive and young we were where it was just like, sure, let's move to Barcelona. But at the time, the stakes were pretty low. We had a little bit of savings and we figured let's give this a shot. We'll move there, live pretty cheaply um, and figure out if this is something we can do. And so we kind of hit the ground just trying to figure out 
the laws, learn the language. We spoke Spanish at the time, but didn't speak Catalan and quickly realized all of the government documents, all government meetings, everything is in Catalan. So that was a challenge. Um, figuring out the real estate uh, situation in the town. So it was, it was a lot. We learned a lot. I think it has definitely set us up for how we operate now in terms of doing things very leanly, kind of being pretty scrappy as we operate. So it was, it was fun. It was definitely something that would be very hard to do now, given just, you know, adult responsibilities. But at the time it was, it was great. We had youth and naivete on our side for sure. (laughs) In that experience, I'm sure that there was a lot of learning processing and uh, just figuring out who you guys were and what you wanted to do. Were there any standout memories uh, during that time, either a, a great thing or a terrible thing that happened? I think the best thing, and that, and this is still in our operations today, is the people. We met fascinating people, whether it was the team working for us. I mean, we had artists. We had a guy who was playing on the FC Barcelona baseball team. I know everyone hears about their football team, but they also have a baseball team, musicians, journalists, you name it. We met really wonderful people working for us. And then also the guests. There are so many guests we won't forget. And even still to, de- to this day, just memorable guests in both of our properties. Um, we've had marriage proposals, um, one that I almost screwed up. <laughs> um, yeah, just really fascinating people passing through. And that's the part we really love. My best memory in Barcelona, do you guys remember the band Fun? Yeah. They had a few hits back in, what, 2012, probably. They came to Barcelona and they're... the wife of one of the singers and her family and mom stayed with us at, at our hostel. And so I got chatting with them as I was serving them breakfast and they, they were just super fun. They were all there from Michigan and they invited us to the concert. And so we got to go and like stand in the VIP area and hang out with them and hang out uh-huh. with the band. And that was pretty cool, but it's, you just never know who you're going to meet in hostels, which is fun. So, and people are really, excited to meet each other in hostels. And so you, I think people form much deeper bonds and you really get to know people more in hostels than you would in a traditional hotel. It's what we call hostel magic. <laughs> hostel magic, I like that. So during that time in Barcelona, um, you said you, I think you said you were there for 10 years or so, right? Was, was that correct? But it was about seven. Seven, yeah. okay. So you mentioned that you had sold... Um, that portfolio of hostels that you had built, was that uh, something that you were actively trying to do or did someone just bring an offer to the table and then you decided to make the transition back to the States or how did that go down? Well, after we built these hostels, um, Lee and I both decided to go and pursue MBAs. And so we hired a manager to run them. And then after our MBAs, we were approached by an old classmate of Lee's about opening a hostel in New York City. And so we packed up Barcelona moved to New York City while still keeping the hostels open in Barcelona in order to get the place in New York running, uh, quickly realized that it would be a really tough thing to manage both across the ocean. Um, And the economy in Spain had really taken a turn um, post-2008, but then the just the tourism market really vastly changed in Barcelona, where everyone saw tourism as the safe haven. And so, so many hostels, illegal hostels, apartments converted into something that resembled a hostel opened, which made it really hard to operate in Barcelona at the time. So 
that coupled with us just being busy in the US, um, it seemed like a good time to sell. So we we actively marketed those and sold those in 2014, just after we opened the hostel in New York. Gotcha. Yeah, I I, I think the, uh, you know, just thinking about the, the partnership and obviously you guys are our sisters as well. Um, being involved in a in a handful of uh, business partnerships myself, I know that you know that can present some challenges and just you know there's a lot that goes into selecting a business partner and doing that successfully. What what is that uh, you know what does that look like for you guys as sisters even and you know how do you guys handle you know troubleshooting issues or um, just going through and and making tough decisions and you know what does that look like for you over the past years? That stuff that you've just mentioned is the easiest part. The fact that you said it's how do you choose a business partner? That was the easiest part about working with your family and working with Lauren is that I trust her implicitly. And we are also very, we're very close. We're, we've always been good friends. We've always gotten along. We're also really close in age. And in working with Lauren, it's almost like a mind melt where hard decisions aren't that hard because the two of us have been working together and for many years we lived together. And so in a lot of ways we are of one mind, which is really nice. And beyond that, I just, again, completely trust her. And so it's, you know, I'm never worried about, does she have an ulterior motive or what is she thinking? So that's really lovely. Um, It's also been extremely fun. I mean, (laughs) moving to a foreign country in your young twenties with your sister and, and being in business, a lot of hilarious situations arise and they're even more hilarious when it's, when you're with your sister. So that was really fun. Yeah. That's really in, uh, interesting to hear that. And I, it's refreshing too, because I think you've always, you know, we, all of us have probably heard like the concept of keeping family out of business and not kind of merging the two, but I love how you guys have, you know, kind of seamlessly and just effortlessly, it seems from, uh, merge the two and and are thriving in that? There are definitely challenges. I mean, it's not (laughs) all all fantastic all the time. I mean, it is, I think one of the things that's tough is business dominates our relationship sometimes. And so as much as we can try to go out and have drinks and, you know, talk about other things, it always comes back to what's going on at the hostels and it's typically fun conversations, but, um, it can kind of dominate sometimes. And I think if you interviewed our parents, they would probably have a different perspective too. Cause yeah. a lot of or times, <laughs> or, yeah, or my husband. Yeah. Cause they know the ins and outs of everything too. They know probably all of our employees names, every yeah. little detail. Cause we talk about it so much. So that, that can be tough too. And I think also it's just when it's, it just makes our relationship more complex. Cause it's not only that we have a relationship with sisters and friends, but also business partners. And so, when you are making decisions and thinking about things for the business, there's also the emotional, you know, sister and family relationship side of it that comes into things too. So it's not always as black and white as it might be if it was just a strictly business relationship. So it's there, there are challenges as well, but for the most part, it's been, it's wonderful. We'll have to have your, uh, your parents on the podcast next. (laughs) I'm sure they have a lot to say. (laughs) They would love that. So I kind of want to transition the conversation to the idea of the hostel and that concept. Mm-hmm. Um, those being less popular in the U.S. market. Uh, I'm curious how you kind of saw the opportunity there and um, just what was your mindset bringing 
a hostile concept to New York City. It might be good to pause quick and just define what a hostel is for your listeners, because I, I know a lot of times um, we encounter people who aren't familiar with the concept. So uh, we'll share sort of what our definition of it is, because it's not really anything that has a strict definition. Um, but hostels generally are shared accommodation. That's really what sets them apart is that we have bunk style rooms where you may rent just the room or sorry, the, the bed in the room and not the entire room. So yes, you will potentially be sleeping with strangers. Um, it's also defined as kind of a more budget or economic way of staying just because it's, you know, cheaper to rent the bed. But um, really the biggest part of hostels and what we've focused on is sort of the social component of it. So a lot of people, when they travel to hostels, most people are looking to meet other people. They want to make friends there. Um, the hostel plays a much bigger role in the guest experience than a typical hotel would. So hostels have a lot of programming, a lot of events, um, really social bars and, and food and beverage outlets. Um, so just wanted to define that. So in case people are curious kind of what, what a hostel is generally. And then Lee, if you want to talk about yeah, the US market and our thoughts. So it's really funny when you just think about our history that we, with no formal hospitality background, thought it would be easier to pick up and move to Europe to start a business mm. than to do it in the United States. And that's honestly how it started. It really, at age 23, 24, with no clue about running a hotel or hostel, it seemed, and I think it was, so much easier to do this in Europe than it was in the States just because the market exists there. We didn't have to re-educate anyone. We knew that there were hostel guests and there were other hostels and it was easier to start there. Um, so hosteling has been around forever. Uh, mom and pop, small budget accommodations have been around forever. It's, I should say, in the rest of the world, right? The United States is a newer economy and so therefore the hotel accommodation market is newer and different than the rest of the world. Um, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this because I do think it's totally crazy that we had to go abroad to do this before we kind of had the conviction to do it in our home country. And I think it's just the way the market matured and the way the U S matured economically is obviously a lot different than these older nations. So I think about when the United States middle-class all of a sudden had money to spend to travel it was at a point where cars were becoming popular and people were hitting the road you know things people were moving out of the cities they were moving into suburbs and travel for americans was road trips and at that time the motel the motor hotel that's when that was born and along with that budget chains and so i think the united states accommodation market kind of really ripened at a period where they could jump over the hostels of cities or cheaper mom and pop places in cities to streets and motor hotels and then the birth of budget change. And so I think that kind of leapfrogs the need for hostels. And then I think also I think there's just like geographically, the U S is a, just a larger scale country where there aren't great train networks between cities. So there's less of a backpacker culture. There's less of, you know, people, going on 15 city tours. Um, I think Americans have a lot less vacation time where Europeans, Australians may have a month, two months off to kind of go backpack and, and go city to city. We don't have that in the U.S. And so I think there's just less of a sort of backpacker culture as well. 
here. Yeah. I have kind of two questions just as you're talking about the differences between the European market and perceptions that they have about hostels and just, um, you know, travel travelers using those versus the U S and just some of the different considerations there. Um, I guess question number one, and, and, um, maybe, maybe Lauren, you can tackle this and then lay the next question, but, you know, question number one, like what aspects of your hostel experience um, you know, jumping from Barcelona to doing the local in, in New York and then Lolo Pass in mm-hmm. Portland. Um, what were some things that you had to evolve in the the hostel experience you're providing? And then um, Lee, for you, maybe, um, you know, I was just thinking through like, you know, as you're looking at new opportunities and, and growing your portfolio and looking for new properties, what are the, like the differences in pre-development and like that due, the due diligence period? Um, you know, are there differences of what you're looking for for a successful hostel versus what some might look for uh, traditionally with a, a normal hotel? Um, are there different considerations there? So, Lauren, mm-hmm. if you want to maybe tackle the first question there. Sure. Um, so it's funny because we really have it's the models evolved a lot from Barcelona, which was, you know, going after European backpacking very traditional hostel goers to New York, where we have a big international, um, you know, our guests are 85% from coming from abroad and 15% domestic. So we knew that we could kind of take the traditional European hostel model with a lot of bunk beds and plop it in New York and it would work. And then to move it across um, the country to Portland, Portland has far fewer international travelers. And so we knew that that would be the biggest adaptation is kind of how do we make this work in Portland where domestic travelers are our primary target? Um, so a few things that we've changed is one, the use of the word hostel. It's, it's tough. It's, I would love to use it more often, but I think there's a little bit of a negative connotation with it in the United States with unfortunately the horror film called the hostel, things like that. Um, so, and just people who aren't as familiar with the, with the word. So we, we pick and choose when we use it, but in, in Portland with Lolo Pass, we've, we haven't used it as much. We use it when we are marketing towards people that we know are familiar with hostels and are looking for hostels and who will be pleasantly surprised with the quality of our product. But when we are talking to banks or we're talking to traditional hotel goers, we usually drop that word. Um, and then the other is just skewing more towards private rooms. So the room mix in New York is we're almost primarily dorm rooms. And in Portland at Lolo Pass, um, it's, we have about, we have 87 rooms and 60 of those are private rooms. And so we knew that North American travelers would want their own space. They maybe don't want to share the bathrooms. Um, we still want to provide people with that fun social experience, all kinds of programming, but we designed the building with a lot more private rooms. Um, and I mean, that's, that's been it for the most part. We really, the goal really was to kind of preserve what we call that hostile magic and just make sure that the experience and the fun and the liveliness is conveyed in all the properties, no matter what the room mix is or no matter what we're calling it. And then in terms of what we're looking for when we're developing projects, I think the first thing that sets us apart from a traditional hotel is the location. And so in both in New York City and in Portland, we are in neighborhoods that are not where all of the traditional hotels are clustered. Because we know that a hostel goer is a, a lot more adventurous and a lot more open-minded than your traditional tourist. 
Um, for example, in New York City, we're in Long Island City, Queens, which is just across the river from Midtown. Um, and we even struggle with the, the booking sites. Say, say that we're not in New York City, which is so frustrating because Queens is in New York City. It's literally one stop from Manhattan. We're closer to Times Square than most other hostels are. But, you know, people have it in their head. I know that a backpacker looks at the map of a city and they're used to rivers bisecting cities. They don't think of thing of being on the other side of the river because they know that they're going to find the bargains there. They're going to find the authentic experience. They're going to find the more interesting travel experience. Um, same thing with Portland. So we picked the central east side in Portland, which is the east side of the Willamette River. And most of the hotels are clustered around the downtown area, which is the business district. And we did that because we knew that the fun, interesting things happening in Portland are all happening on the east side. The new restaurants, the new bars, all of that stuff, the authentic experience of Portland that you really want your guests to experience is happening in that neighborhood. So that's one thing. Um, another thing we've done is, so three out of the four projects, both the Barcelona projects and the Portland, or excuse me, and the New York project were adaptive reuse of existing buildings, which we love because for us, it's really important rather than the cookie cutter flagged hotel that looks the same in every single location. We love the connection with the neighborhood and kind of the sense of inevitability that this place, this place has always been here or meant is meant to be here. We're part of the fabric of the neighborhood. So that's another thing is we love to do adaptive and would probably prefer to do adaptive reuse projects. Portland, unfortunately, we had some financial challenges with the cost of seismic upgrading. And so it made more sense to do ground up, but that was a design challenge in itself, trying to make it feel like this building was always meant to be here. This is, looks kind of historical, even though it's brand new and really fits into the neighborhood. Another thing I should say, internally designing the place, the amenities that we offer are a little bit different than a traditional hotel. So things like the guest kitchen that has evolved with every project. Um, we always have coin operated laundry because that's really popular with our guests. And then we do devote way more floor space to the social common spaces than a traditional hotel would do. Yeah. And that seems like one of the differentiating factors of why I would want to stay here as opposed to just whatever other hotel was available is, is that social aspect that you guys have tried to curate? Um, maybe you can yeah, we, give us some, mm -hmm. some more examples of how you've done that and maybe some stories around um, just successes that you've seen in, in cultivating that. Sure. So um, in the local, we've got a bar and a, so really when you walk in, you're in the bar. And so we wanted it, we designed it like that. So we wanted people to feel like they were walking into a party into something exciting happening. Um, and then we also have a big, it's, it was a large warehouse. So the lobby was kind of this big open space that we weren't sure what to do with. And so we have these giant white walls and, and decided that we wanted to turn it into an art gallery for local artists to display their art at no cost. We don't take any commission. Um, so we, that has been a, a big component of what we do at the local in New York, where a lot of, we do, do a lot of parties with art openings and, and different people showing their work. And because we've got this big open space, we've opened it up to the community where if 
people want to host a film screening or a dance performance or a comedy show, we typically give people the space uh, for free so long as our guests are also included in the experience and will benefit from it. And so that's been a great way to bring the community in and then also enhance the guest experience. Because we, I truly think that people care now about where they're staying, you know, who's running it, who's involved. They want stories. They want it to feel a part of, of the city and, and to be really authentic and not just kind of something that you could plop anywhere. And so for us designing those experiences and events um, to give people a richer introduction to the city is, is super, super important to us. So um, in, in Portland at Lolo Pass, um, we've got events that happen almost weekly. We're doing um, like a stand-up comedy showcase um, once a week. We've got a trivia event once a week. We've got someone who comes in and does a free yoga class for guests once a week. Um, we also designed and programmed an art gallery in there because that was such an important part of our, our experience in New York that we wanted to have that in Portland as well. Um, yeah, so it's it's really, it's a lot of work. I think it's probably more than a traditional hotel um, does just in terms of making these connections with the community, getting people in, getting all this stuff planned. Um, but it's really rewarding. And I think it's, it's just adds so much to guest experience that it's, it's just, you know, a part and parcel of what we do now, but that, that is such a big part of it. Yeah. That's really cool to hear how you guys have activated your spaces and it's like multi-purpose, like benefit to your guests mm-hmm. and benefit to the community. And I think that's yeah, kind yeah. of a recipe for our guests. Yeah. We're yeah. spaces are just as for the neighbors and neighborhood as it is for our guests. I love that. That's awesome. So as you, you know, look into the future, you know, obviously this podcast called future hospitality, we like to talk about, you know, the future of the industry, but also the future of the guests that we have on here. And as you look ahead to future opportunities, do you guys have anything um, in the future that is exciting to you, like other properties or just more things you're um, going to be adding to your properties right now? Or uh, what does that look like for you guys? We don't have anything concrete in the pipeline right now, but we really love the concept of Lolo Pass. We think that this is a concept that needs to be in more cities across North America. We're really driven by the democratization of travel and we think travel is a luxury good but it's a luxury that should be afforded for every budget um you look at the way the media portrays travel and it's always these aspirational ridiculous hotel rooms and safaris and tours that are are so loose that it really only a very small percentage of the population can afford them and so we really believe in lolo pass and hostels in general as a way that anyone on any budget can travel and see the world and learn more about the world around them and, and, you know, differences amongst people. And so we think that that's, we've created a safe space for that. And we really hope that we can bring that to other cities around, around the country. Yeah. Do you guys have any um, cities you've been eyeing just looking for opportunities or is it just kind of in the back of your mind? We have, and we've, Got a list. It's probably like 20 cities at this point. But um, yeah, I mean, I think any city that's a destination for young, curious, open-minded travelers, um, we're interested in. I mean, I think that just because you're on a budget doesn't mean you should have to settle for something that's, you know, kind of soulless and cookie cutter. And so we want to 
be able to provide that to, to people that are traveling. But um, yep. you, know, you can stay somewhere that's design focused, that has cool F&B, that has you know, interesting events going on, but you don't have to pay an arm or leg. Yeah. And, and that line that I think of it, uh, Lee, that you said it was, you know, you believe that luxury should be you know, afforded to everyone, every budget. And I, I love the idea that you guys are promoting, um, you know, making travel a more accessible thing to everyone. And mm-hmm. I, I've stayed at hostels before and I just, I've loved the experience, you know, especially when I was younger, it was just a really exciting, vibrant, energetic space. And, um, you know, I think what you guys are trying to, to, uh, do is really, really awesome. So I, I hope one opens, uh, within driving distance or close to us so I can come visit it. Um, otherwise I'll have to make some trips to, uh, Portland or New York sometime soon. Glad to have you. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much, uh, for taking the time today. I, I think it's really exciting that you guys are embracing this uh, industry in this product type and kind of evolving it for uh, a new customer and um, just the ways that you have injected thought and creativity into creating those experiences, I think is really inspiring and applicable for a lot of people in, in different spaces as well. So um, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for letting us tell our story. Awesome. Well, we'll be in touch and look forward to seeing what you guys do. Take care. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Future Hospitality Podcast. If you enjoyed today's topic and episode, please leave us a review. If you'd like to learn more about Longitude, you can visit longitudebranding.com to see our portfolio of design work, read our insights blog, and learn more about our team. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Longitude Branding.